welcome to the Spiritual Awakenings podcast. I'm David Lorimer, co-editor of a new book, Spiritual Awakenings, Scientists and Academics Describe Their Experiences. It's published by the Academy for the Advancement of Post-Materialist Sciences and is available in paperback and Kindle editions. In this series of weekly podcasts, we'll be sharing the 57 original essays together with introductions and epilogue from my co-editor, Professor Marjorie Willicott. We hope you enjoy them. How I Learned About the Limitations of Science by Sarah Knox. The two spiritual experiences that I'm about to relate have been difficult to integrate into my scientific work, but have guided its direction and reinforced my conviction that the tenets underlying the current biomedical paradigm are grossly inadequate for understanding the nature of human reality. The first occurred before graduate school. Without any active efforts, such as meditation, I was suddenly transported into a state where I experienced universal love. I felt unconditional love for every person I met and had no fear of anything or anyone. I could have gone anywhere by myself in the dark of night and felt absolutely no fear. What I am referring to is this state of grace persisted for about two and a half days. I understood with clarity that the only reason societies need laws and prisons is because we lack this sense of universal love. At the time it occurred, I was agnostic and had no idea how to interpret it other than as some vague notion of humankind's potential. I have never been able to recreate that experience. In graduate school, I was interested in pursuing consciousness studies and decided to begin by focusing on the physiological effects of EEG biofeedback. The literature was full of claims that changing one's brainwave frequency could change one's state of mind by triggering an altered state of consciousness called the alpha state. This was reported to be a state of relaxation that evoked feelings of inner peace. Despite these claims, no one had actually measured the physiology or the subjective experience of a random group of people taught to increase alpha using biofeedback. However, experiments had been done on meditators and non-meditators showing more alpha in the meditators. After improving the biofeedback technology, I did an experiment where I measured heart rate, skin conductance, muscle tension, and the QRS and T-wave components of the EKG and participants being trained in alpha enhancement. I compared people who were able to successfully increase their alpha waves by 15% or more to those who weren't. There was no physiological or psychological difference between the two groups. These results taught me a valuable lesson. The materialist assumption that changing a single physiological parameter related to brain waves could change consciousness was not supported by the data. The assumption underlying the hypothesis was that the cause of mind is matter. In the meditation studies, there was a correlation of alpha brain frequency with subjective experience, but correlation is not equivalent to causality. There are basically four primary frequency ranges in the human EEG. How could they possibly differentiate between the countless feelings and subjective states that humans experience? After graduate school, I pursued a traditional academic career investigating the role of psychosocial factors in physical disease but I was living a double life. I had been doing hands-on healing on myself since I was a child. 
I was brought up in a Christian church and believed what Jesus said about his healing work, that all this you can do and more. When I was nine, I had a large birth mole on my leg that I'd had all my life, which I eradicated simply by repeatedly putting my hands on it. I thought this was interesting and it encouraged me to continue. As an adult, I practiced only within my family. I was agnostic and thought that the healing worked through a simple transfer of energy and that if I could just figure out the mechanism, I would be able to introduce it to science. I never told any of my university colleagues for the fear of losing my scientific credibility. All that changed one Sunday morning when my five-year-old daughter woke with a stomach ache and couldn't walk and couldn't eat. She rarely got stomach aches, but I didn't see it as an emergency. She had been up at 5 a.m., but by 10 a.m. when she was still listless on the couch, I called the triage service and made an appointment to see a pediatrician at 2 p.m. She was clearly ill, so I decided to do some hands-on healing on her in the meantime. I did this simply by picturing the energy flowing from my hands into her body. Because she was my child, a natural feeling of love intensified as I did this. And as the love increased, the energy flow from my hands intensified, building to a crescendo that felt as if a dam had burst. I did this for several minutes, and about 10 minutes after I had finished, she hopped up and started to play and ate normally. The stomach ache was gone. We went to the doctor at the appointed time. As I described how the pain had started and progressed, the pediatrician said decisively that I was describing appendicitis. She was perplexed as to why the pain had stopped. I said I didn't know and we left. This should have been a positive experience, but it was not. The implication that something so subjective as love could influence the flow of what I perceived to be a mechanism of healing energy totally contradicted my left brain need for objective science. I remember that as the energy burst with the increasing intensity of the love I was feeling, I silently screamed to the universe, you don't seriously expect me to tell them that. I was still convinced that energy healing was real, but concluded that I had no idea what I was doing and would stop. I decided to stay on the research side of things. Unfortunately, this research doesn't get funded by traditional sources because they haven't understood the implications of quantum mechanics, that at a subatomic level, there is no difference between matter and energy, nor do they know that the body is full of voltage potential networks that serve important somatic functions. Over the years, acupuncture has healed me of a multitude of conditions, including breast tumors, which I unfortunately did not have biopsied. However, my mother died of breast cancer that had the same premenopausal onset as my tumors. During these years of acupuncture treatment, my observations have been that although acupuncture is an exact science, the clinically most effective acupuncturists I have experienced are those who also integrate some form of spirituality, i.e. involvement of a divine being into their practice. According to the underlying tenets of acupuncture, movement of an energy called chi is key to reinstating physiological balance and health. Furthermore, not only matter, but also personal consciousness and emotional state are theorized to play an important role in the flow of this energy and the restoration of health. Based on repeated quantum physical experiments, we know that the observer is never separate from the observed phenomenon. 
although the current biomedical research paradigm continues to believe that such objectivity is possible. Quantum field theory also shows that the flow of energetic fields of information is continuous and that there is no demarcation line between fields within the body, such as electromagnetic fields, and those outside of it. Thoughts and feelings are also associated with energy. This means that the energy flows emanating from the consciousness of the healer and the patient intermingle, possibly creating new patterns of information that may be critical components in the healing process. Clinical research could benefit from examining these issues. Thanks so much for downloading the Spiritual Awakenings podcast. Do join us for the next episode.